People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right, on today's episode, we have an amazing magician who specializes in the corporate and trade show market. I first met this magician at a magic convention a whole bunch of years back, and then all of a sudden, he was everywhere. I ran into him at a dealer booth at another convention. I saw him on tour lecturing. I saw him at a a national lecture where he did, I think it was IBM or SAM. Um, And every time I see him, he oozes class, and his magic looks like what magic is supposed to look like. It doesn't look like somebody doing tricks. It looks like this dude does magic. Everybody, let's welcome uh, Michael Comiscus. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey. Hey. Nice to see you, Wes. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Shows are coming back. Things are coming back. I'm. I'm excited, man. Feels good. I, uh, I'm super excited about that. You know, it's been a long time for all of us performers, right? So getting back into the saddle and. You know, I mean, I've never had jitters before, but, you know, you do a show now and uh, it's totally different. You know, it's been a long time for a lot of us. It was, uh, it was pretty brutal, man. Uh, my thing is right now I got a hurt foot, so uh, I can't go to the gym. I can't get on the treadmill. I can't hike on my trails. So that's my main concern right now. We're doing shows, but I'm limping around and it's, it's bothering me. I'm not 100%. So that's a, that's a drawback. Well, hopefully that'll heal up for you. I mean, you know, that's a temporary thing. But, uh, you know, the big thing is that, you know, we're seeing faces in the crowds and and we're getting to share what we love to do. Right. It's so nice to be back live in person. So it makes a it makes a huge difference. Did you do any of the uh, Zoom shows? Yeah. So originally I uh, really started out not really doing a whole lot of Zoom shows. Um, but then, you know, it, COVID set in like for a long time and I was like, oh man, I need to, I need to keep on top of this. So, you know, I had a big lecture schedule and everything for last year and I had a lot of performances and I was at like, I was supposed to be at like 15 conventions and, um, you know, all of that stuff got canceled. I mean, I was in Salt Lake City performing at Mystique Dining when, you know, the world shut down last, you know, I guess two marches ago, um, and it was just, you know, flew out of there, and I was supposed to be at the castle the week after that performing, and it it's a, it just, everything just snowballed, right? So it was one of those things, like, where do we go from here? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I for me, it was, oh, it's only two weeks. It's only a two-week lockdown. It won't last till Easter. There's no way it's going to last past 4th of July. There's no way it's going to go to Christmas, you know, and it just kept going and going and going, man. And um, I, did a, I did a private school show today, like a summer camp for a private school. It was outside on the playground, you know, for kids, I don't know, five years old to 15 years old. And they wanted, you know, all the adults to wear masks. And I'm, I'm 30 feet away from the front row and outside on a playground. It was just, it's hard to breathe through that thing, man. They don't know the rules. Nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing and they don't want to, they don't want to get in trouble. So they don't want to. Just well, say that, we're outside, we play, right? So, like you know, we don't blame them because right. you know, what we want is we want to get out there. We want to entertain. We're entertainers, you know. And even in the corporate market, I'm pitching products or whatever, and that's starting to open up again. You know, a lot of my friends I see are you know working some more trade shows and finally getting back into it. But you know, it's been slow. It's been a slow, slow return to normalcy, as I would call it. 
Um, you know, so, you know, as far as, you know, for what I do, I mean, I have like a dual, dual-sided magic career. You know, obviously, I, you know, I, I've written many books and I do lecture around the world. And, you know, and then there's the other side of actually, you know, performing and doing jobs for, you know, for paying clients. So, um, you know, it's a whole different thing in terms of what I'm doing because, uh, you know, rather than getting 100% of my income, you know, from, you know, actually just performing, you know, a large portion of it is, you know, working the trade shows, the magic conventions, the lecture circuit, you know, teaching magicians, um, you know, basically giving them the benefit of, you know, the years of experience that I have. That's, that's awesome. It's, it's good that you're able to do that and to have that. You have great products too, man. So it's not like you're just pitching stuff to be pitching stuff. But we'll get, it, we'll get into all that. Let's, let's start back at the very beginning. How did you get started in magic? What's your, what's your origin story? Well, I wish I had like something like really spectacular to tell you, but I mean, my story is like many others. You know, I saw a magician at a friend's birthday party, and you know, it was like, okay, this is cool. Um, you know, and after that, I was kind of hooked. You know, I saw it, and I was like, you know, I want to, I want to learn this, and you know, I went back and told my mom and dad who had never done magic, uh, you know, whatsoever, and I'm like, you know, we need to find a magic shop. So we drove to Center City, Philadelphia, and uh, you know, went to a magic shop downtown there, and. Um, later on, I met Bob Little, who was, you know, closer to me because at the time I lived in Lansdale, which was next to Hatboro, which is where Bob is from. And, um, you know, it's so, you know, and, and it's all about connections and people and who you meet, right? So, I mean, some of my closest friends I've met through Magic. So, you know, I'm sure you're the same way. Oh, absolutely, man. And, you know, ha- having uh, Bob Little nearby and, and big city, I'm, I'm out here in, you know, middle of nowhere, Virginia. And I felt like the uh, nearest magic shop to me was uh, Denny and Lee, and that was like a three and a half hour drive north. So I had Abbott's catalogs and Tannen catalogs that I did my shopping out of, and Hankley yeah. and Hankley, yeah. Well, and, and uh, if you're gonna, if you you know have to drive three hours for a shop, Denny's shop is probably worthwhile, right? So I mean, you know, the one I love Denny, you know, he's a great guy, and you know, I spent a lot of time in his shop and um, lectured for him, you know, probably five, six different times in both of his shops, and. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about him because he wasn't about selling you the latest and greatest thing. In fact, he didn't even carry that in his shop. You know, he, he, he steered people, you know, towards the fundamentals. They, you know, they wanted to learn the sleight of hand. Oh, you know, it's like, here, this is the book you need. This is where you learn, need to go to. And he wasn't above saying, hey, you have a problem. Come back in the shop. I'll sit down with you and go over it. You know, that kind of service and that, you know, that kind of dedication to the art, it, it's really not seen too many places well in my memory of denny i got my first real gig on my own doing a, a sideshow magic show for a farm in virginia beach and i was doing you know sideshow stuff and i was asking about animal production books and and sideshow books and he had a pamphlet or a book on anything and his organization system for books and manuscripts in the back you know how it looked. I mean, he, he, but he knew everything where everything was, and he was able to just pull it for me and throw it over the counter, and just a, an immense resource right there. It was, it was awesome. I could always call him with a question, and he had an answer. He didn't have to Google it or look it up. He had the answer. Now, so did he have his potbelly pig when he came in the shop? Was Baby there? Yeah, absolutely. I got a picture hanging in my workshop in my backyard of uh, me, Denny, and Baby. Yep. That's awesome. It's uh, it's probably a twelve by seventeen picture I have hanging in my workshop. I love it. Yeah. Um, so how far away were you from uh, them? Pennsylvania, Maryland. Where are you at? 
So, well, so I've been like in the, you know, Maryland, D.C., Pennsylvania, you know, the tri-state area, you know, pretty much all my life. And I've oh, okay. back between, you know, different places. I've got a you know, family lake house up in the Poconos that I go to. And, you know, I was in Maryland for a long time. And um, I went to University of Maryland, which is where I graduated school. And I worked at Barry's Magic Shop and just outside D.C., really, in Rockville, um, you know, for many years. And, uh, you know, helped Barry out, and, you know, I learned so much by working from him. You know, he, he actually, you know, was one of those guys that would be, you know, quirky, uh, hilarious, you know. And the thing what I learned most is that when you work in a magic shop, you learn how to entertain. And whether it's Al at D.C. at Al's Magic Shop or Barry or, uh, you know, or Mark Mason, you know, the best demonstrators are the best entertainers because that's what sells magic. Dude, a hundred percent. Mark Mason scares me because I would I would buy you know a, a fifty dollars Svengali deck off him. I mean, it, he could sell me a Svengali deck for three hundred dollars because everything looks like the most fun trick he's ever picked up. He's having the most fun with it. He's entertaining, and it's like you know you want to have this much fun, you need to buy this trick, and it blows and, people away. And he, I'm so lucky, you know, that I get to call these people friends, right? Like you know when the best thing about being a magician and being in it for you know many years as I have at this point I still think that I'm not as old as I am but you know I look back in the mirror and I say you know heck when I wrote my first book I was you know whatever 18 years old and then I put Miracle Material out with l l Publishing and I was like maybe 20 at the time and I mean so you know, you know I have so many good memories and being able and I was fortunate you know I was fortunate to have Michael Amar at the introduction I was fortunate you know to be in the places that I was to be exposed to a high level of magic and that really was able to excel and push me to where I want to be you know where I was right I, I was not happy with the status quo like how how can I you know get better how can I get I always try to push myself um, even at Barry's job, you know, we had, uh, you know, Puck worked there with me and Scott Alexander and Elaine New, um, you know, uh, so like, I mean, we had like the who's who of magic. We had Scotty York around the area, you know, we had Darwin Ortiz, I mean, uh, Bob Sheets, I mean, it, it was such a great place to, to be in at that time period because there was so much good magic, you know, in the area. Uh, so many, uh, you know, Charles Green, so many great magicians there. So, um, and, you know, everybody was in, in it to make everybody better. And I think that's what magic is about, right? It's about building building the art and sharing. And, you know, when I see people who are like, well, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this. It's like, you know, we're all in it together. And everybody makes everybody look better or worse, right? So why not help everybody to be the best magician they can be? That's one of my pet peeves. You know, I'm, I'm writing a set of lecture notes now. And one of the things that I'm, I'm teetering on, because I don't want to be too luxury in a lecture, but some of these some of these Facebook groups where these people are just panning other magicians and just bringing them down, it's like, you know, professionals don't do that. Professionals, you don't need to, you know, make yourself feel better by tearing other people down. And, um, no. you know, we're better than that, man. Yeah, it's definitely not about that. It's, it's about, you know, maintaining, you know, the, the standards and the ethics that we have and and, you know, that's difficult now. You know, it used to be easier, you know, back before we had the Internet and everything else. And Because now people, I see all these, you know, magicians that are performing, but they have no idea about the history. They don't know. They're performing these moves, and you ask them what move is that or where it came from, and they have no idea, right? And so, like, to me, that's a thing where, like, I want to educate them. I'm not saying that it's bad. Like, they, I want them to understand that, you know, 
this is not, you know, th- this was done, you know, back in the 20s or the 30s or whatever, and this is the lineage, and this is how it happened. You know, John Ramsey started this and then went to this and then went to this, right? So trying to figure, you know, how it is and just kind of get them more in sync rather than just copying somebody and not knowing, like, where or how that magic got to that point. Yeah. I mean, I love magic. I, I, you know, it's everything to me, but I am guilty of that as well. Um, you know, I'll know the names of some card moves, but then other ones. Oh, yeah, it's that trick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that move. Show it. You know, somebody will mention something, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, show it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do it this way. But and You probably already do it, but you just don't know what it's from, right? right. And so that, that's the thing. You know, that's where, you know, being around, you know, older guys that have been around and have been like, okay, yeah, but I know the person, like the shapeshifter move, perfect example. Like, you know, Mark D'Souza, right. I mean, he came up with an amazing card change, and I see people do it all the time. And they have no idea. Like, they're just like, you know, I have no idea where this came from. And I'm like, you know, it's this who created This is what book it's in, you know. And I'm a little biased because I have a a library that has over 6,000 magic books in it. So for me, books are like my my thing. You know, some people learn by watching. Not that I haven't put DVDs out and VHS tapes back in the day and everything else. But, you know, books for me are the printed word to me. and, And, you know, that... It seems uh, like more everlasting. It has this the thing that kind of like you know the other stuff. Media changes, it dies, it goes in and out. But paper, print, it's going to be there. Well, that's also Denny teaching there. That's Denny coming through. Books, 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 man. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way. I don't like. Um, I don't. Uh, in the new age, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I can't stand PDFs. Somebody sells me a PDF or a. Uh, a digital download i'm like you didn't give me anything I, it's going to be lost to my computer i'm not going to have a good filing system it's going to be gone in six months um if my computer crashes it's gone but i'll have that book i'll have the dvd on my shelf yeah, yeah i agree like, yeah i like i like hard copies i mean i'm old school in that respect i i mean it's not that i don't back up stuff like you know and even though like i have my books and whatever if there's PDF versions or things that I can put on my, you know, iPad when I'm traveling that I can, because I do that. Like I'll read, you know, something on, you know, the PDF or whatever that I can while I'm, while I'm on the plane. Um, you know, I think that's a great way, but I also think it's a backup. It's not, it shouldn't be the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, on your website, so I'm doing research on you. I've known you for years, but I mean, sitting down talking to somebody on a podcast, this is when you finally get to say, so Mike, what, what, how'd you get started in magic? You never really asked that at a convention or hanging out with your friends. Um, on your website, it says that you worked for or, you know, you've been featured on NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, and BET. And I know you, and BET just stuck out to me. And I, I can't imagine you on BET. How'd you end up on BET? What was that story? <laughs> so, actually, that was kind of crazy. But uh, I was working at Barry's Magic Shop, you know, just outside D.C. there. Uh, in Wheaton at the time, and that was back when VH1 was just getting started and the music video stuff, so BET had a show called Rap City, if you're familiar with it, and, um, you know, what they did is in between the the music videos, they had little segments, Um, so I was featured during the segments in between the the music videos, and we would do a trick, you know, in between, so it, it went on for like a whole week, which was great, so I got to really perform a lot of magic, um, it was, you know, like you said, it, it's, you know, something that you wouldn't expect, you know, kind of a, a clean cut person, you know, uh, you know, 
to be on that and the, 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 the BET thing was it was it was amazing because um, I believe his name was Chris that came in to do the interviews but uh, he was so funny and we had like the best time in the shop and then we would the, the interviews and do the magic in between the magic videos and and uh, you know I listened to all types of music so I was familiar with like all of the music on on BET is also was playing on VH1 and country and I mean I'm I, literally like if you listen to what I do it's everything I mean alternative rap I mean it's it's across the board so we're sitting there and uh, we're I just got done doing a segment I, I remember the trick too I was doing the Lincoln rings um, which was put out by Xanadu um, where you had two finger rings and you tossed them up in the air and you actually linked together super cool trick um, and I was sitting there and I just got done I tossed it up in the air the rings linked together and he's like, all right, Mike. So he's like, you down with the OPP? I was like, yeah, Chris, you know me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those things that kind of rolled off the tongue. And um, I wish I, I mean, I have copies of it, but it's on VHS. The problem is I don't even have a VHS player to play it. So even if I found the tapes, I think they're kind of useless at this point. Well, no, I have a converter. I have a converter. We can put them on DVD. Then you can uh, make it digital if you wanted. Put it on DVD. If, if we, if, I might put them out just so everybody can laugh, you know, because that's when I, before my laser eye surgery and I had glasses. And, I mean, you look at me now and, you know, I've got like a bald head and goatee. And, and uh, back then I was like the biggest nerd that you could be. So no. uh, it's actually pretty funny looking back at the pictures. You know, people look at the cover on Miracle Material and I'm like, yeah, I don't know who that guy is. I think it's okay. Wow. I can't imagine a nerd working in a magic shop. I just, that's un, that's unfathomable. <laughs> so how'd you get started in trade shows? Is that all just because of DC area? Well, it was, but I worked a lot of birthday parties and you know stuff and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and basically you know I was a as a college kid, right? So I was taking anything that came along from restaurants. I had three restaurant gigs. I mean, this is what I was doing during college, right? So um, you know, it's like how do I get going and how do I you know. Yeah, I was working to my degree, but I need money to pay for college and, you know, um, trying to go through the whole thing. And there was things that I was like, I, I want this, I want that. Um, but so being a, you know, kind of halfway smart person, I'm like, okay, what is going to pay the most for the least amount of work, right? So for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start working trade shows. And so I started small, you know, started doing like the local stuff and, you know, the, the, the little, you know, weekend trade shows and things of that nature. But I quickly realized that, you know, uh, the guy that's working like 15, 20 birthday parties a weekend, you know, I can work literally one day and, you know, make up for the entire week. Right. Yeah. So it was one of those things. And, uh, you know, and, and the market at that time for trade show guys was kind of small. There wasn't like a whole lot of people that were like really going after that market. And it's still kind of small in terms of, you know, the, the, the high echelon uh, guys. You know, you've got, you know, Seth and you've got Paul and, you know, you know I mean, so then you got Danny. And I mean, but it's not a big, it's not a big, uh, you know, thing because it really takes a certain, a certain type of person because it's not just about magic. It's about pitching a product. You know, the magic is just the means to pitch. Right. Right. So. You know, so it's it's totally different. It's uh, yes, there's entertainment value, but it's more about people getting through the book, getting their you know booth, getting qualified leads, um, you know, making sure everything happens. And then there's a second area, which is what I really you know have started working on, which is more of the hospitality suites. 
um, you know, retaining the clients that they already have. So yes, you have the trade show floor where you're trying to, you know, attract new customers, you know, new people to their business. And then you have the other side of it, which is, you know, which to me is a lot more fun, but you know, that's when they, you know, rent out a private room and, you know, the, you know, top floor of the hotel in Vegas and, you know, they have all their special clients come in and you entertain them for a few hours. Right. So, um, that's, that's totally different because there it is pure entertainment. You might throw in a pitch here or there as you're going through, but for the most part, you know, people are there to have a good time. And, and that's what the, that's what your, your client wants. They want them to associate their name with a good time, you know, so, that, you know, bring them back and have them, have them go forward. So I'm not trying to set you up. I swear I'm not. But in the trade show market, you can make a, a phone call. You can get a phone call and you'll have to pitch up a, a medical device or a computer doodad or whatever. What's your favorite type of client to work for? It sounds like I'm setting you up. I don't want you to bash any clients, but do you have well, a favorite? The, the, to be honest, it's the one that I know most about, and that's it's a it's a turf grass industry. I went to school at University of Maryland for turf grass, so when I work trade shows in the agriculture industry and turf grass, I know more about those products, so it's easier for me to write material and script things. Okay, there you go. All right. I was, I was, that was a touchy one. I was trying to write that question. I'm like, mm, I don't want him to step on any of his current clients he's got. And, but wow, well, that makes sense. Sure. I mean, you know, the, like you, you, you do whatever you can for everybody, but, you know, I have an extended background in that, so it's easier. So when I'm learning something, say, like a medical field, I'm researching because I don't know anything about that product, right? But when I'm talking about something that I already know about, it becomes a lot easier, so... Yeah. So uh, tell me about turf grass, because I just listened to a podcast the other day that was saying that um, the old AstroTurf isn't good anymore because everybody's breaking their ankles and different stuff was happening. So now they have like a blend. What, can yeah, you tell I, me anything about that stuff? Yeah. So yeah, I'll tell you all about what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we could talk two hours just on that. I, I'm, put, I'm putting you on the test, man. Do you really know turf grass? <laughs> so what happens with the old football fields and the old baseball fields that they had scenes right so the way that it was rolled out it was actually really hard they didn't have much underlayment and it was basically like you hit it you're landing on concrete there um, you go okay what happened to that is that it is actually grown on soil so you have a mat that goes out it has some artificial fibers in it but in between the fibers, actually, we're, you know, planting real grass, right? So, so you're getting this, this mixture of actual turf and artificial turf. Um, and it just, it's a much more consistent surface for play. And so when you cut it with these mowers that are cutting it, you know, half inch or below, if you're talking about a football field, if you're talking about a golf course, you're talking about three sixteenths of an inch, right? So, I mean... Uh, you know, you can really get down to you know, with the mowers and everything that we have today, and the you know the chemicals to to really maintain turf at incredible levels. Um, you know, so I mean that's that's one of those amazing things. Wow, you do know about that. I was just testing you. That's all that was. <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me about your one man show. Imagine this was uh, this must have been before I met you. It was so yeah. So I I can't remember if it was three four years now, but I. I did it uh, up and down the East Coast. Um, Lexus was the prime sponsor for it, which is amazing because, uh, you know, I got to perform in 
all the major cities, um, and everything was in like a high end hotel. So I was the Ritz Carlton. It was the, you know, the the top floor overlooking the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. Uh, I had it next to Liberty Bell in, in uh, Philadelphia. You know, so it was it was all the whole the whole idea and premise behind the show was to create this unbelievable experience. Right, um, and so it, it the, the magic itself was based upon um, magicians of the past. So everything that I did um, had to do with, you know, uh, my idols and magic. You know, people that you know when I talk about idols, people say, "Oh yeah, it's Doug Henning, it's David Copperfield, you know, it's uh, you know whoever." I mean, it could be today you might be talking, uh, you know, about Justin Willman, right? So. It, I mean, with Netflix and everything else. So, but back then, like my idols are people, you know, are magicians that really weren't professionals. I mean, you know, you have Max Molini, you know, you have, uh, you know, like I talked about him before, John Ramsey. You know, there's are so the show itself is based upon magic of the past, but presented in a 20th century manner. Um, you know, so it, it was kind of cool blending the old with the new. And I was very fortunate. I mean, this, it was sold out for uh, three or four consecutive years in a row. And uh, I, like I said, I traveled up and down the East Coast performing it, and it was an amazing time. Wow. wow. That sounds really neat. Do you have video footage of anything of that? I actually do, yeah. So I might, I might post some and put some up there for people to see. I want to see. I want to. Well, just send it to me. You don't have to share it with the world. I just want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've only seen you do close-up magic, but I know, I mean, and I know you do cups and balls, so that could be parlor, but what rooms did you work in the castle? Do you do close-up only in the castle? What do you do when you work the magic castle? I do. So all I perform in is the close-up gallery. Um, you know, so that's my favorite room in the entire building, and while, you know, I've you know, been offered to work other rooms there, I really prefer just to work that room because to me... Magic is best experienced close up and live and personal. Um, you know, one of my things, I love stage magic. I do, but I hate when I hear the reaction from people in the audience saying, yeah, but he's 50 feet away. You know, could have done this or could have done that, right? And so when it happens, like in their hands or in the case of close up gallery, the, the last row is only, you know, 20 feet from the table. Um, you know, you, you bring this entirely, totally different dynamic to it. And so close-up magic really is my passion. You know, it's what I've always done. Um, yes, I've performed. The largest audience I've performed for is probably 7,000 people on New Year's Eve in D.C. And obviously I'm not doing close-up magic for that type of crowd. Um, you know, so there I'm doing, you know, stand-up performance pieces, maybe a, a levitation or I did you know, a, a color changing handkerchiefs or you know stuff that will play for a larger audience um but even though i love that and like to me it's a it's a great change of pace i love to be up there and and i'm fortunate in the fact that i have so many great magicians that i can call on and, and be like hey this is not my forte um i've got this going on and they'll sit with me you know a month or two ahead and go over the blocking and and, and things of that nature, you know, uh, Rick Wilcox out in the Dells has his own theater. He's a great friend of mine, and his show is amazing, and I love the lighting and everything that he does. And, you know, I'm fortunate when I get to sit down with him and his wife and, you know, we can talk about Patrick and, and, you know, decide what we're trying to do. And, you know, Chris Pillsworth up in Canada. I mean, so many guys that, like, I, I'm very fortunate in, that I know so many talented people. 
Wow. I was just watching an uh, interview the other day with um, Paul Daniels, and he was talking about how great uh, Rick Wilcox was. And this was, you know, 10 years ago. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen Rick work, but everybody just says how great he is. And Chris Pillsworth, I mean, just a, I love that dude. He's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, magic, it, it's it's spread out and it's around the world. But as you know, I mean, it, we're a small community. So, you know, you, you have your 10,000, you know, 15,000 core, you know, magicians that, like, are doing this, you know, full-time. They're out there. Um, and I'm not saying you have to be a full-time magician. Some of the best magicians I know are not. You know, they're part-time magicians. They're, they have regular jobs. You know, you have... There's so many amazing people that are like that. Um, and I think the fact is that when you get to a certain level and willing to share with other people, I think that that's the best. Um, you know, it's, it's, I hate to see people that shun somebody because they're not to their level. You yeah. know, I, I, that is something that just irritates me. It just gets to my core. And I'm just like, so if I'm at a convention and I see somebody sitting in the corner, I'll go up and introduce myself. I'll you know start sharing stuff with them, and um, you know I think that's that's the that's what everybody should do. Um, you know whether if you're a beginner, you know been in for twenty years, fifty years, what have you, we all have something to learn from each other. And I when I lecture, I might be the lecturer. I might be the guy going around the country or the you know the world touring because you know I was supposed to be in Australia this last year and unfortunately COVID killed it. But you know when I'm touring and i'm doing this i might be the quote you know guy coming in that everybody wants to learn from but i learn as much from the audience and the people that are there as i give to them and to be honest it, it, i almost feel like it's 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 a it's not fair like i'm getting so much more out of it than they are uh, you know so uh, it, while i'm creative and i write books and you know i've been around the block once or twice I think that it's amazing to meet people and hear the stories and see what's happening. And, you know, it, it's such a great, great way to live. And I'm so happy that I do what I do. And sometimes it's when they ask a question during a lecture and you're like, uh, well, um, that's a great idea. I never thought about approaching it from that way. Just just that one thing can spark and make the whole trip worthwhile. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what, exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you get into that and you're just like... I mean, you're going on, and it's like, well, what if you have you ever tried this? It's like, you know, I haven't, but I'm glad you said that because now I'm going to like I'm going to take that and experiment with it and go through. And um, you know, there's many times that, that that that's happened to me, and I'll go through and I'll be sitting there. I'm like, well, what if I did this instead, right? And and come up with something much better. And even though I create a lot of magic, I never consider anything a finished piece. So I think that's important. I think that, you know, even though it's in, in print and it, it, in the book it might be completed, it's never done. <laughs> so there's there's many times that things that I've written up, if you watch me lecture now, I might perform it, but it's totally different. Yeah. Well, I mean, singers are the same way. I mean, you go, you go buy the CD and the guy doesn't sing it the same way in concert because he's trying a new way. He's He's... The old way just isn't doesn't fit them anymore. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's get into some products here. I went looking on your website, went shopping today, and I was I was drooling on my computer. I had to wipe off my keyboard, <laughs> but I didn't see your books on there. Do you not have your books on your website? <laughs> to 
be honest, I'm not sure if they're on there. I had them on there at one time because I did the... So there's one uh, tab, I think it's called More. And so my website is mostly um, all my, you know, cups and balls and wands and okay. things of that nature. And then I have one tab which says More, which is more or less the stuff that you would find in my, in my lectures, right? Some of the Some of the effects and DVDs and stuff like that. Um, and that I change, you know, off and on. So that tab, I'm not sure what's on there right now. Um, my latest book was um, seemingly impromptu, which Michael Weber wrote the introduction for, and it's all it's all apparently impromptu magic. Some requires a little bit of advanced preparation, but I loved his book Lifesavers. You know, back in the day, it was an amazing book, and Michael Weber, as we all know, is a genius magician. So. Um, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, he was happy to, you know, go through and write a couple kind words and put it in the introduction for me. But, um, you know, so that's, that's the last book that I wrote right now. I'm writing a cups and balls book, which is over 500 pages right now without any illustrations. So that's coming out, you know, hopefully next year I'll get that done. I also have a chop cup book, which is almost completed. Um, so, you know, th- these are some of the things that during COVID I've been working on and, you know, trying to button up because I've been working on them for so many years, but, um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time, you know, and, and when you're writing, writing is, uh, if you've ever done it, it's not something you just sit down and do. You have to be in the right frame of mind. You have to you know, be in that, that, you know, kind of Zen place to, to put down the pen to paper and make it make sense to people. Um, you know, otherwise it, it's very, it's very hard writing a technical book. A lot of people, and, and also make it entertaining, right? So one of my favorite books is Chris Kenner's book, right? And so when I read that, I crack up because he put like so much humor into his writing that it, it was, it was, you know, such a uh, fantastic book. And the fact that you have to flip the book over halfway through and everything, I just love it. Uh, totally out of control. If you don't have it, you definitely should pick it up. It's a great book. Well, I'm looking at your more section now. You got delivery system, cobalt, cobalt cards, lemon drop, and product list. That's all it says for more. So, so yeah, so that changes. Like I said, that's that's one of those things that I put up there and, and put different things in there as far as what I have at the time and what I'm trying to do. So, uh, but it, you know, at any time, usually after I do a lecture tour, there's more information under that tab. Okay. Uh, but now since I haven't been out on the tour, you know, out touring, you know, lately, uh, you know, it's pretty slim. In fact, my whole website, to be honest, right now uh, with COVID, I mean, it basically shut down a lot of stuff. I was on, I can't get materials. I can't, you know, you know, get stuff. So um, it's pretty slim pickings at the moment. You know, I don't want it to be that way. But you know, trying to find exotic woods to turn wands out of and things of that nature. It's, you just can't get them. I mean, even a regular two by four and, you know, the lows went up like, you know, 10 per, you know, 10, not 10%, but like a hundred percent in terms of what it was through COVID. So, um, you know, trying to find, you know, these exotic materials and uh, sterling silver and everything that I deal with, because here's the thing about my products. My products originally were never made to sell. Everything that I've created was for myself. Um, you know, I, I never intended to sell anything. The only reason that I started selling my cups is because the set that I wanted to make for myself, I spent so much in R and D and trying to make the cups that I had $15,000 invested. I had to sell a hundred sets of cups just to get some money back to help offset my expenses. So it, it was never something that I went out, you know, I started because I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to start selling these. 
that, that had nothing to do with it. I was just very fortunate that I put 100 sets out, and within 27 days, I sold 100 sets of cups. Wow. And so they were gone within one month, and um, I didn't do anything for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, I decided that, you know, hey, I can make these cups better. Because I don't think you just, you, you don't just create a product to put it out there. You only create it if it's warranted. And for that long, I was happy with the cups that I created. But then I decided to sit down and really go through it and say, hey, how can I tweak these? What can I do to make them better? And, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm, I'm one of the, the, the few um, you know, cup manufacturers that really, really creates a quality product. You know, you've got Donnie at Rings and Things. You've got Brett Sherwood. Um, and, but, and, you've, and you've got Brian Watson in England. But aside from uh, that small group, you know, there's really nobody that's creating those type of products. Um, you know, and and we stand behind everything that we put out, and I think that's important. Um, you know, if there's ever a customer service issue or anything, I mean, I'm right on it. Like, I'll I'll take care of it. And, you know, there's never anything that has to be done because, you know, I, yeah, my stuff is not inexpensive. I I understand that, but you're also getting what you pay for, and I I, I truly believe that. You know, there's innovations, there's things that I've done that no other people have done. You know, in terms of what they're doing with the cups and the wands and stuff like that. So, you know, when I put a product out, you know, I don't put my name on it if I don't think it's the best that I can produce. Well, I know it's beautiful. And so I saw your lecture. I don't know if it was IBM or SAM during COVID. And it was your cup lecture. You have your own lecture just for cups and balls. And when I say this, it's not going to sound right for the listeners. But you did, I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, just talking about the different parts of the cup, explaining the mouth of the cup, the rim, and the different technical terms of the cup. And, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I've been doing magic since I was seven years old, and I've never had anyone ever go over this. I was, I was riveted. I, it sounds awful to anybody listening. Mike, help me out, man. But you went into detail explaining what the heck the different parts of a cup. It's a cup. Everybody uses a cup every day. But you... Well, well we do. But the thing is, my, my, my whole basis for that is that if you're learning, right, you can't learn unless you understand what you're, what you're dealing with. And so we have technical terms for each part of the cup, which I rarely hear people talk about. I've never heard it ever once before you, ever. But when you when you talk about descriptiveness and you're writing it down, um, you know, and and and, and you, even just the basics of like you know stacking versus nesting, right? You know, so you know, if, are you stacking the cups? That means the mouth of the cup is face down on the table, and you're stacking them on top. If you flip them over, the exact same process is now called nesting, right? So they're so, but we can't understand if we're writing. And we're learning. So the first thing that we need to do before we can teach a routine is to get everybody on the same page as far as, you know, how, what part of the company, because if I tell you, all right, so put your third finger on the saddle and your fourth finger on the, on the dimple, right? That means nothing unless you know what the saddle and the dimple are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd never heard any of that. I have several uh, books on cups and balls. I've never seen the saddle mentioned. Not that I remember. No. I thought it was pretty fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's, it's really just getting everybody on the same page. So, you know, we're, we're, we're all starting from, you know, zero. We're all at the same point. We can go from there. 
and then it becomes you know a lot easier to follow. So um, the cups and balls, yes, it's definitely you know one of you know my passions and magic. You know, um, just like you know Joe Reinflesh uh, is like you know to rubber bands. You yeah. know, I mean Joe and I have had this con- con- conversation on more than one occasion, and um, you know Joe, for all those youngsters out there. Joe Reinflesh probably does more amazing magic without rubber bands than he does with, okay? He, he has contributed so much to the art of magic with cards and coins and all sorts of other implements, but, you know, he's become known as the rubber band guy, and he should be because, for one, did he do any rubber band magic? And this is not a pitch for, you know, I'm not getting paid for this endorsement or anything, but by all means, get his rubber bands, Right. And if you do, you'll know why. Because the elasticity, they stretch. You know before they're going to break. Uh, they're vibrant. They're colorful. He's all sorts of different things. And then, you know, obviously the routines that he puts together. I mean, uh, Crazy Man's handcuffs, uh, just the torn and restored rubber band. If you saw his version of it, it makes you think twice about, like, have you ever, you know, why are you doing it the way you've done it for 25 years? Um, it's just amazing to see him, like the way his mind works. We were sitting at NAES one one year, and um, he's trying to solve the Rubik's cube, literally solve the Rubik's cube with rubber bands. Wow. I, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He wasn't touching it with his hands. He had the rubber bands wrapped in the Rubik's cube, and he's twisting it, and the thing's solving itself. I was like, "That's amazing!" Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. So my thing with Joe. Uh, um, I'm a big Rocco fan. Rocco was the first magician I ever saw lecture, and he was on those delight videos. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember. That's that. that's yeah. my that's how I knew who Joe Reidenfleisch was. He was the nerd in the videos. <laughs> so funny. He had the lab coat on, the glasses, yeah. and, and he's making him go through his ears. I'm going to remind him of that tomorrow. I'm going to call him and tell him. <laughs> oh, dude, I got the DVDs. I'm telling you, I was uh, I was big into everything, anything uh, Rocco put out. I, I bought them, yeah. So I got I got all those DVDs. So if you need me to upload something and send it to you, I'd be more than happy to. <laughs> so, um, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's what we do, right? So, we, you know, if, if we have, you know, the, not skeletons in our closet, but if we've got these old magic videos of us performing, I, I love to see them because it makes us cringe when we watch them. It's like, oh, like, really? Oh, oh it was stuff. great at the time you were doing them, but now that you're looking back on it, you're like, oh, oh, my. Well, tell me the story of my marketing video from high school. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He was in marketing class in high school, and it was... Oh, it was it was great. He's got um he he recorded himself singing the song and then he recorded himself singing something else and then an overlay of his voice saying whatever he had to have saying he had it all playing at the same time and it was <laughs> And I was floating a dollar bill. It was my yeah. commercial for me doing magic. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, so funny. Uh, I remember in college we had this uh, contest in our dorm to, to win a pizza, like literally win a pizza. So, but you know, you're a college kid. It's like I get free pizza. Yeah, oh, we'll do it. So, right. you know, so we had, you remember the commercials where you had like your brain on drugs and yep. stuff, and they like crack the egg in the pan and everything, and you're like fried and stuff. Absolutely. So, so I, I did a combination of that, but with slash with David Copperfield s kind of a thing. 
and uh, it, it was just so funny. And I remember doing it, and I was just like, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. I was like, that's absolutely. So I did this whole thing. It's like brain on drugs, and I cracked this egg into the pan, and I flipped it up, and a bird flew out and stuff. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I have your impromptu magic book. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I have so many magic books in my collection. And, you know, you, you said you were writing an impromptu book when I talked to you at MAES. And I'm like, really? Do we need another? Dude, it's awesome. You did a great job. You came, you came to um, our local club. And um, I saw you there. And I bought it from you. And... It's sitting right next to my couch upstairs in my magic room. I love it. I refer to it all the time. It's a great book, well, I man. I appreciate that. So here's a little funny story about that book is that I, I'd written the whole book and I sent it to Michael to, you know, Weber to look at it and read it. And, you know, I sent him, you know, I did a few things for him. Like, I forget where I was doing the Penguin Magic Expos and stuff and we were together. And I, so I did some of the magic for him. And, I, and, I, and he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'll write it. So he wrote the whole introduction and put it together. And then I had to print it, and I gave him a copy. And he goes, "This last trick, he goes, that wasn't in there when you gave it to me, was it?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, no, that wasn't in there." And so it's a, uh, it's a, you know, a signed bill in Sharpie. And uh, and he's like, he's like, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah. I said, I, so I wasn't sure. I was, I really wanted to give it away and put it in there, but you know, it's one of those things. I was just like, you know, if you hold on to stuff. You know, I, I, I see this happen all the time. People are like, it's like, I want to hold it, hold it, hold it. You know, I think that we should do the opposite. I think we should share and share and share. I think that, you know, the more that we can put out there and the more that people can understand where we're coming from and, and help each other out, the better off this art form is going to be. So I decided to put it in there. And um, it's been it's been a huge, you know, I was originally going to market it and put it out and, and sell it for know 35 or 50 dollars or whatever but i said why do that i said people can go and get the necessary things for you know five dollars you know from the store um because it's not about trying to make money it's about trying to you know make the art form better and so that's what i did i put it in the book and put it out there and um you know i'm glad i did so it's one of those things that i always get comments on and um i think uh chicago magic uh, and magic inc out there in chicago put it on their webpage. so if you want to see it um, you can go to their webpage and can you know Google it. You can see it. Awesome, awesome. Um, your signature wands, your your fancy magic wands. So with COVID and everything, your websites everything's bought out. It's hard to get new stuff, but you're starting to book new lectures and stuff's starting to ramp up. So if somebody sees one of these and starts drooling over them, do, is there a waiting list? How does that work? Um, so no, I mean, like what I'm trying to do is, I mean, I'm taking orders and everything will be, you know, fulfilled, but, um, we're at the point now where I actually, you know, am get, I'm starting to get the things in. I'm starting to be able to, you know, uh, get things made again and put up. So awesome. I would say within the next probably month, a month and a half, you know, I'll have a pretty good inventory back in you know, all of my, all of my products again. Uh, the only other thing that I have coming out, which is new, is I'm working on some new, if you're familiar with the, the fake fruit that I put out. Yeah. Um, I have a new, I'm, I'm, it's going to be called the professional lemon set, um, which is, it's basically three lemons, but they're, uh, they're designed to maximize the appearance coming out of the standard cups. So um, easier to load in. Uh, it's 
same materials that I make out of all of my fake fruit, which is plastisol, which is a PVC resin. So, you know, it's something that's going to far outlive any of us. Um, we don't have to worry about that, but it's not rubber, you know, because rubber just doesn't work as far as fake fruit's concerned. You know, that was one of the biggest things is trying to make sure that, you know, I had the right material. So uh, for years and years, I was lecturing, and everybody's like, oh, you're a cup guy. Can you get, you know, AMR's fat fruit? And I was like, no, if you can't get it anymore. Like, it's discontinued. I said, and I got, kept getting these questions. Can, can I get some? Do you know where I can find it? And uh, so I decided, you know, rather than try and find it, I would just create my own. So um, that's what I did. And it's been, you know, it's been a huge success. I mean, at Magic Live, I think I sold probably 5,000 pieces of fruit one year. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing. But, you know, it's something that, like, if you're like me and you're traveling, you're a professional, you don't need to go to the grocery store to find, you know, the products. You don't. So everything you have is always with you. Um, the problem is that it's so realistic that you will get stopped at airports. I will tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) So they will search your luggage. Um, I have not made it through an airport without being stopped at security in probably eight years. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that I I allow for it because I know it's going to happen. I, I, you know, I've been in those little rooms in Iceland and all sorts of other countries, um, because, you know, you're not allowed to bring produce across, you know, internationally and everything else. So, um, yeah, I, I find out what those little rooms are about. Um, it's, it's, luckily they hold flights for you. So, you know, you don't miss the flight, but it's kind of interesting because you don't get to eat either. Mike, so, I got, I got your new commercial, man. I have a degree in marketing. I got it. You just need to bring a video with you. Just videotape that experience of being in the holding cell and them questioning over the fruit. You'll sell, I mean, how can it be more realistic? They're questioning you at, at checkpoint, man. That's perfect. That crap is realistic. So one of my one of my friends uh, in D.C., Eric Henning, um, he was doing a thing on on the local news station, and it was for, I think it was for uh, Singa de Mayo or something, and he produced. Uh, you know, a, a sort of a beer out of you know a change bag or something, and then he then he produced like one of the lemons that I make, and it fell on the table, and and the the co-host or whatever she picked it up and she like looks at it and she goes, yep, it's a le- it's a lie, and just put it right back down, it's like not even questioning that it was a piece of fake fruit. Um, I put it in restaurants, like for my friends who are chefs, just to mess with them. <laughs> so, so if they have like a, a bowl of you know limes or lemons, I'll like toss one of mine in there. You know, it, it's just one of those fun things I do. Wow, wow. So, do you have your lecture tour coming up? Do you have anything booked now? Uh, so the next thing that I have, I have a couple lectures coming up. Um, some that have been canceled last year because of COVID in the South, like South Carolina and Georgia and stuff. But the biggest thing that I have um, on the books is in November, which is um, a magic conference down there in Mexico City. So I'll be doing magic oh, down cool. there. Wow. So we have um, listeners in 28 different countries now. How can people book you if they want to get whether a Zoom lecture like the one that I saw or have you come to their club? Do they contact you through corporatemagician.com or is there some other way? So, so yeah, the easiest way is just to go to corporatemagicman.com or it's it's, uh, corporatemagicman at yahoo.com. Either one one will get you to me, but uh, email me and I'll get right back to you. Or if you have to, 
It's easier for people to spell. Just go to mkcups.com. That's my products website. and uh, You can look at all the stuff that I have out there and you know, contact me through there. But, uh, you know, I get back to everybody. So if you're not, if you, you know, send me an email, you will, you'll, you'll get a response. Awesome. Yeah, I messed that up. It's corporatemagicman.com. Um, so scrolling through Facebook, I've been a friend of yours on Facebook, I don't know, five years now, something like that. This Harley thing seems new. Um, have you always had a Harley? <laughs> well, I've always loved riding bikes and, and having that, but uh, you know, recently I just decided to let everybody else know about it. You know, it's, Facebook is a it's a funny thing. It's, you put out there what you want people to know. Um, you know, so sometimes you put things out there. Sometimes you hold stuff for yourself. And you know, I always laugh at Facebook because. You don't see any of the any of the, the the bad things that people go through, right? It's always right. saying I'm doing this or I'm doing that, or it's like I'm excited about this, and that's great. You know, positivity is a great thing to have. But then again, I'm a realist, so I realize that the entire world isn't like that the entire time, right? So, um, you know, and especially through through this last year of COVID and stuff, um, you know, I really got you know into riding and, and having a good time and and going out there. And in fact, you know, I was out riding today and. Uh, you know, it's, I had my best friend with me, and you know, they, we we went out and had a good time. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that everybody has a place that relaxes them. That's one of mine. Have you always had a Harley? I tell Wes, I, I, I next bike we get, I, I think I want to uh, want to get a Harley because we haven't had a Harley yet. And I, I was like, I, I I think I want a Harley. I want to try a Harley. And he's like, I don't know. Have you always had a Harley, and do you love them? I'll, I'll, I'll let you ride mine, and then you'll know. You'll be like, "Yeah, I definitely want a Harley." No, <laughs> there you go. So, That's so it. Mike, here's Sold. here's Natalie. <laughs> you you teased her now. So I had old girlfriends that on my bike, and it would be like, "Hey, we're going to the movie theater tonight. You want to take the motorcycle?" No, I don't want to mess up my hair. <laughs> well, and then I'm dating Natalie, and it's like, "Hey, we're going to the grocery store," and Natalie's saying. Hey, can we take the motorcycle? Natalie loves the motorcycle. <laughs> and man. we only need like two things. We can totally carry that on the motorcycle. Let's take the motorcycle. Absolutely. Right. She wants to take it everywhere. Saddlebags. It's not a problem. Just toss it in the saddlebags. There you go. I love riding on a motorcycle. It's great. It's so it much fun. Is. It's one of the most like exhilarating and freeing experiences, and you know it's hard to you know. Everybody, you know, some people are like, oh, I can't believe that. And, uh, it, you know, yes, I mean, there's things can happen no matter what, in a car, right. on a bike, whatever. But, um, you know, for me, it's one of those things that I just love going to. And right now I'm up in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, and it's right now it's 50 degrees here. It's, like, chilling. Wow. So, I mean, today I was out riding and I uh, had a sweatshirt on, and, I mean, you're up in these back roads and uh, deer are everywhere, and it's just a it's it's just a whole different experience. Because going fifty on a bike and fifty in a car is totally different, right? And you, and you see, yes, ten times more than you do in a car. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It it it, it, it totally brings the world into a different perspective. So. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's one of like my favorite things to do. And if I'm not practicing or performing, you know, that's where you'll find me. Nice. Awesome, dude. I love it. Well, dude, that's that's an hour. We just did it. You're awesome. Thank you so much for doing that with us, man. It seems like we just started, but like I really appreciate it. You guys are great, man. I look forward to seeing you next time, the next convention or wherever our paths meet. But uh, I'm so happy to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on.
Well, stay on the line because um, I got to do a couple plugs and I have a couple things to tell you off the air here. But CorporateMagicMan.com, Michael Kaminskis, MKCups.com for Michael Kaminskis, MKCups.com. Check him out. And he changes the website, so the stuff that he has for sale, he'll update it and change it up. And um, check out that impromptu book. If uh, if you're not into cups and balls, that cup, that that daggone uh, impromptu book is awesome. Check it out. Um, on August 7th at 6.30 p.m., we'll be performing our illusion show at Goochland County Parks and Rec. For tickets, go to goochlandva.us or call 804-556-5854. And we are so happy to announce that our new merch is now available at WesIsley.com. That's logo t-shirts, my TV and podcast t-shirts, Magic Man hats, stickers, playing cards, and more. It's all available now at WesIsley.com. And tonight on Jewel TV, they're re-airing episode four from season two called Homeschool Gym Class. Jewel TV is on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, the Jewel TV app, and tons of other places. It's in over 100 million households. All you have to do is look for it. See you you next week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S-C-O-P-Y.com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, Practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind-the-scenes videos, blooper videos, never-before-seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I.